Hello, my name is Dr. Fabrice Robert Lubin, and I am a clinical psychologist. And I am Rachel Wagoner, and I am a clinical therapist. Welcome to Mindful Chatter. This is a place where we keep it real, keep it relevant, catching up with one another, and most importantly, catching up with you. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Fabrice. How are you doing this lovely Thursday? I'm good. It's sunny out today. You said that <laughs> so quickly. There's such an energy on like, I'm like really excited today. I don't know. I feel like Alan came in and he has this wonderful energy about him, that vibe, you know? So I picked up on that vibe and I'm, I'm absorbing it into my being. So I, I, I would say that I think that Alan definitely has an infectious vibration he really does it's pretty incredible for all of uh, all of you who don't remember alan is our producer i wish you could see him and this wasn't just on audio because his outfit is a lie so how are you i'm doing excellent i'm having a a fairly good day a little bit tired but i'm there i'm present you're here i'm here yeah and yourself I'm super excited today to talk about something that is happening on Sunday. What do you think is happening on Sunday? We're all going to church. I am not. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if oh. that's what it is. <laughs> what else is going on on Sunday? Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day and I'm so excited. I'm really excited. I told you guys earlier that I could talk about my mom all day long. So I'm very excited to produce uh, a lovely dialogue about different categories of what goes into motherhood. I, I definitely am excited about this topic. One of the things that comes up for me every Mother's Day now is how how do you incorporate it into a blended family? Mm. And so I really, really am excited to kind of discuss this with you and get yeah, your feedback and perspective. Sure. Well, let's start off with a question that I I always think about. You know when you have those moments and you say something or you do like a behavior and you're like, oh my God, I'm my, mo- I'm my mother right now. Oh my God, I just did something that my mother would totally do. And I hate it when she does that and it's driving me nuts and I can't believe I just did that. What do you think are some traits that you've gotten from your mom? I love you, mom. I just want to state that before I go into this episode. Preface. All of this is from a place of love. I completely beat a dead horse beyond <laughs> the point of death. I drag the horse out. I slap the horse around. Then I resurrect the horse. Oh. And then I proceed to murder the horse again Oh. with completely elongated talking that has so many different circles. And often goes nowhere. That sounds really, uh, really interesting. <laughs> and that's my mom. That's my mom at times. Loving, I love her. I love her. That ability for me to endlessly speak and to produce this wonderful podcast <laughs> comes directly from my mom. Well, we should be thanking her, honestly. She gave me a supernatural ability to never be able to stop talking. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think some traits that I got from my mom, um, talking is definitely uh, a big one that she gave to me. So I I can agree with that. I don't know if I beat a dead horse per se. But another thing that I got from my mom in particular is um, 
she is literally the most caring individual I've ever met in my entire life and accepts everybody for who they are. So I strive to be that, but I definitely did get a couple of those qualities in there from her. I'm also a little too organized when it comes to like planning and a little uh, um, rigid when it comes to planning and the way that I want things to be done. So in terms of our last episode about control, I feel like I always try to plan things out to a huge extent in order to maybe feel like I have control of them, which it can be a good quality, but it can also be um, something that will cause me a lot of anxiety if it doesn't go in a certain way. Is there any moment that you can recall as a child or adolescent watching your mom get things together or plan for something? She would always leave us notes and it would always say, okay, David, you know, this is my brother, make sure that you mow the lawn and Rachel, make sure that you mop the floors. And then she would write like notes of, I'm going to be here at this time. You need to be here at this time. She literally, (laughs) I am now in my late twenties, right? She literally texted me last night. I'm going to New York city tomorrow, today, actually. She texted me last night. Hey, do you know what time your flight is? When are you leaving? Make sure that you have this, this, and this packed. And I'm like, mother, (laughs) I've been living on my own now for many years. (laughs) My favorite mom reminder. And once again, I preface this by saying, I love you, mom. My favorite mom reminder is, don't forget to brush your teeth. Oh my gosh, I love that. Mine doesn't do that anymore. And every now and again, I'll look at my mom and say, mom, we don't brush our teeth anymore. This is just something we don't do. I've, I've decided to forego that now. I don't need to do that. So no, I'm not going to brush my teeth. I've quit brushing my teeth. I've quit brushing my teeth. <laughs> I think that we get so many really interesting traits from our mother and, and reminders from our mother. And I think it's kind of fun to think about those moments and think about the good things that we've gotten, but also those moments of, oh my gosh, I am my mother's daughter. I want to frame it in a phrase that I heard maybe about a year ago where someone put it succinctly, your inner voice is your parent's voice. Hmm. And I've, I've been really looking at that idea and how that shows up in therapy, how it shows up in my life, how I talk to myself mm-hmm. through things sure. and how much does that match up with maybe some of what I heard from my parents what did I hear from my mom, for example? I think that would be interesting to dissect. I don't know if I agree with it, um, but I think it's an interesting point. Mm-hmm. So looking at even just the idea of how you plan, mm-hmm. for example, the, the length in which you go to do all of these detailed-oriented things, that being something that your mom would say to you, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you take care of that? And as you're sitting there planning out a project, whether it's mindful chatter or doing something with your guests, maybe you're running through that same kind of mental checklist that was repeated to you very, very often. Sure. I totally see where you're coming from. I think it's more that I learned these behaviors from my mother. So I don't know if I think it's as much of like an inner dialogue for me and maybe it is for other people, um, but just speaking personally for me, I think it's a behavior that I saw so often. Um, and of course, yeah, my mother will still text me and say, did you check into your flight? And I'm like, yes, mother, I checked into my 
flight. Did you make sure to pack socks? Yes, I packed socks. Um, but I think that when it comes to the traits that I have now and the behaviors that I uh, show are definitely because of those are learned behaviors that I have from my parents. I would say that my mother's emotional vulnerability is something that I really inherited from her. She's the type of person who won't send you a list of things you should do or stuff you should check. She's more of a constant cheerleader. And Alan could attest to this. Probably every day I wake up to 15 million emojis, just hearts and sunshines and rainbows, then 20 pictures of, of memes of cats <laughs> that are hanging from something. And then there are like 10 philosophical like images that will come after that. And then it's all followed with a long text telling her that I'm the greatest son to ever be a son and how much she believes in me and loves me. Yeah, I think that my mother is, you're saying all of these things. And I'm like, oh my God, my mom does that too. So it's kind of funny. My mom will send me like a thousand emojis just saying hi. Just wanted to check in. Just want to tell you how much I love you. At first, it was strange because to watch your mom learn how to communicate through the internet is kind of hilarious. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. She used to talk in just pure caps. So it was just, just <laughs> my dad did out, that. <laughs> outright screaming, just outright screaming, followed by emojis that made no sense. But now her emoji game is stronger than anyone point. else's. It's completely on point. My mom always used to say something to me. She'd be like, did you go and get your, your car oil change, LOL? And I'd be like, what is so funny? I don't understand. I'm like, mom, what? this is not funny. Like, I don't understand. And she goes, I thought LOL meant lots of love. I was like, oh, that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard in my life. I was like, just to let you know, though, a lot of people use LOL for laugh out loud, but I love the direction you're going in. <laughs> yeah, Aveline calls her... Uh She'll say things like, why is grandma, why is grandma dressed up all the time? Oh. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> so in kind of picking up on, on the relationships that we're describing that we have with our mothers, I'm curious to know from your perspective as a daughter, mm. what was your relationship like with your mom? What was it like or what is it like? What is it like? What I assume you're still like? in relation. With yeah, no, of course. I mean, I think that the difference between what it was like and what it is now is very different. I have a very close relationship with my mother now. I, it's not, you know, some people say their mother's their best friend. My mother will always be my mother, but I do consider her a very close relationship um, at this point in my life. I pretty much tell her everything, but um, there are some things that I would share with friends that maybe I wouldn't share with my mom. So I don't necessarily consider that like, she's definitely a friend and a very good friend at that point but 
I think that there is a difference for us between her being my mother and me being the daughter and not this like enmeshed best friendship per se. I think Mm -hmm. that it's there, you know, again, but I think it just looks different. And I think that's actually a very healthy boundary that my mom's put in, but we tell each other a lot of things. I mean, she'll say all the time, she goes, you're the only person I actually like talk to, you know? I mean, of course she talks to my dad. Does she? She does actually. They do communicate pretty well. Um, But outside of that relationship, outside of it's just her and him at home now, she's like, no one calls me, no one texts me. It's just you. So um, I think we definitely utilize each other for support at this point in our lives. Um, And I think it's more mutual than maybe it was when I was younger. So I'll tell her something and she'll be there to support me and she'll tell me something and I'll be there to support her. So it's a little bit more balanced, but she's still a little bit higher on the hierarchy. I really enjoy where you're going with that. I think that there is this kind of idea of parents as being best friend or whether or not they occupy like a guardian role. And I see my mom as evolving through a lot of different stages in my relationship with her. From childhood, I was pretty obstinate and I really don't like being told what to do Mm. on some level. So it was hard with my mom because she's a really open, very flexible human being. And I think that proved challenging at times because getting me to follow any sort of directive can be just annoying um flat out I'll just own I had that. that experience the other day I was like will you please just respond to this this email thread will you please just respond no will you please just respond no. I, I asked you. you like five times told you duck number two <laughs> never will I be put in a row um and over time I had a lot especially when I got into my adolescence I had a lot of kind of underlying conflict with my mom around how we connected because she was really there to be a supportive force. And I truly didn't understand that. I viewed it as somehow, or translated in my mind at times as somehow stifling or overprotective. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, going back to my adolescence, and I think that's the stage of adolescence in itself, my mom was constantly there trying to support me. And when I was a teenager, I found it as like smothering. Now, get it, smothering. Mm. <laughs> Never even thought about that. But. Smother. <laughs> Smother. Rhymes with mother. <laughs> um, and now I look back on it and I'm so very appreciative of it. And I see it so differently now being an adult than when I was an angsty teenager and just wanted it my way or the highway. And I w- had so many hormonal changes and anxiety and just, you know, high school drama and she would come to all my lacrosse games and would always be there cheering for me in the stands and it's so interesting that at that stage like I could not deal with it and I was very mean to my mother and I tell her all the time whenever I have an angsty teenager come into my office space mom I am so sorry for the way that I must have treated you (laughs) I look at some of the the description that you're talking about with being mean to mothers and now that I'm a parent myself, I realize that looking at attachment, there's kind of a safety in that relationship. 
As I get older, I appreciate the fact that my mom created a safe space for me to express whatever it is that I was feeling. Yeah. And sometimes in my more hormonal and imbalanced, emotionally regulated days, because mm -hmm. I'm totally together now, <laughs> I, I think I took out a lot of how I was feeling about my peers or about school or about other things. And I, I would just take it out on her without ever really stopping and realizing that all she ever wanted was the best for me and to just communicate and connect with her. Right. And that goes back to that safety piece. And I, I agree. I was the same way. And mothers in particular create, not all, but ours that we're talking about, create this safe space. They have unconditional positive regard, which we've talked about before. Then when we have a tough day at school and we come home and we're like, you know, angry or I, in my case, like crying and like hyperventilating and like, I don't know what to do. I have all these feelings. I don't know how to get them out. And then we project them onto our parents or mother, right? They, no matter what, will then, even if they're hurt, my mother would always come back or like would write me a note and put it outside of my door or in my lunch bag and just say, hey, if you ever want to talk, I'm here for you. Back then, I would have scoffed at that and I would have been like, oh, whatever. Like, ugh. I mean, it would have had like a little heartwarming feeling. But as a teenager, we are at that stage where we're trying to become independent and break away from that attachment a little bit, right? So it's so interesting. But now I look back on it and like my heart gets so filled because I think of how thankful I am to have that person that was there no matter what, even on my worst, most terrible days. I had a terrible day once, which I'm going to tell you the story and I don't know if she's going to appreciate this. Love <laughs> you, Rachel's be. mom. We love you. You're amazing. There was a day and I must have been, I must have just graduated from high school where we got, I can't even recall what we had gotten into. And I think she just like hit her breaking point with me. We got into this scuffle. I was being the biggest brat ever. I know it was on me. She got so frustrated with me that she took her shoe off and she threw it at me across. I mean, I was pretty far away and she's just like, I just don't understand. Like, why won't you talk to me? I can't understand you. So it's so interesting um, because there were so many times where she tried every way to communicate with me. But when I was in that stage, I wasn't ready for it and I couldn't open up to it. But now that I'm older and wiser, I hope, I'm able to appreciate that. And I'm able to look back and say, actually, I can form really healthy attachments because I had someone that was safe. So much of that is this idea of conflict being the thing that really connects you to another person. Right. You, we try to avoid it because we think that, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to survive it. It's going to kill us. It's going to end our relationship. But when it comes to people who are our families and those those who choose to remain our families, those who make that choice to buy into that like our mothers have, I think we look back on it now and we see all of that tension as opportunities for growth and understanding and teaching us forgiveness. Yes, and repair that also happened. You know, in the episode about conflict, we talked about the importance of unconditional positive regard, but also the importance of repairing after something happens. So no matter what, 
we would come back and try to repair it. And now, even now, being in my late 20s, and this all happened when I was a teenager, I will come back to my mom and I will say, you know, I know this happened forever ago, but I'm really sorry for some of the things I must have said to you that probably really did hurt you. And again, I think that talks to the point of repairing relationships and how we can repair after conflict has happened. I think a lot about the societal pressures that are put on me as a woman and as a woman from Ohio, but living in Chicago, I think it's very different. So I'm originally from Ohio, from a small town that has about 30,000 people. And almost all of my girlfriends back home are married with children. One of my best friends literally just texted me the other day. She's like, yep, about to have my second kid, about to burst any moment. And it's so interesting because I didn't even know how to respond. I really struggled to connect. I mean, I'm super excited for her, but I I don't know how that feels. And I don't have the same pressures in Chicago being in my late 20s as I think women in small town Ohio have on them. And once again, you're hearing that idea that there's this narrative that we're supposed to buy into that is supposed to tell us where we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to do it. And when you travel or when you start to educate yourself, you create this kind of, there's this one story of what you'd be doing in Ohio. And now there's this like split of who you are now in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And how do we begin to integrate those two identities? How do you find yourself integrating these kind of the the chasm between? Kind of like fuck society, fuck what society wants. Because why does it have to be different in Ohio and different in Chicago, why can't I just make the decision for myself what I want? But I, I find that a lot of times people will actually ask me, like, you know, now that I'm I'm dating too, they're like, so do you want kids? And I'm kind of like, I have no idea if I want children. I really don't. I don't necessarily have like a maternal urge right now. There are moments. I think it's kind of like an emotion where I have moments where I see this really adorable baby and I'm like, yes, please. I would love to just snuggle that thing. And then I have other moments where I'm like out on a friend Friday night with my girlfriends and I don't have to wake up early the next day. I can sleep in. I think that's such a powerful observation because so many of the people that I work with, so many of the women that I work with carry that same perspective. And there's not necessarily a narrative that allows for that contradiction to exist. We're often just trying to put everything into two categories. Either you want it or you don't. Versus the idea that a lot of this stuff is going to kind of blend in as, as, as much as anything else does. And so you are trying to create the space for yourself to really think of your values, where you want to go and your identity and who you want to be, not just as a woman, also as someone who could potentially be a mother. And I just really, really hear that. And I really want to respect that as a male who no one's ever asking me that question. Right. No one ever asks, hey, so when are you going to have another kid? It's just not a question that, that's asked of me mm. outside of my partner. That's it. 
And I think that's pressure that maybe even, I mean, I think most women get it. I don't know if all, I don't want to, you know, generalize and say all, but I do think that a lot of women do get that pressure to procreate. And I don't think that men do as much because men are expected to go out and travel and, you know, sow their wild oats or whatever. <laughs> it's such a, and it's such a, such a terrible kind of conception because when I'm in the, when I'm in a therapy space, it's been so fascinating to sit with different mothers who are trying to be so many different things. When Aveline was first born, I found myself on a flight to do an interview in Boston, and I happened to be seated next to, of all the people, a pediatric emergency um, doctor. And I just thought, wow, this is a great opportunity to ask you all the scariest questions because I just had a child. Yeah. And one of the things that really fascinated me was that she had three kids she mentioned and she related to me that it took her a long time to realize for her to be a really effective mother, she couldn't just be 100% a mom. So she kind of gave me the statistic that went like, for me to be a 100% a mom, I had to be 70% a mom and the 20% was me. And I've really thought about that mm -hmm. and I try to bring that idea into the therapy space and when I'm talking with other women about motherhood, that it's important to challenge and look for that identity for yourself. Yeah, because when you say that, that makes me so sad. And I wonder too, so I have an aunt who has three children and then that now they're at the age where they're a little bit older. So she's actually starting to like redevelop her identity. She is a stay-at-home mom for the most part, but now she's actually taken on health coaching and she's becoming a yoga instructor. So I think that that split has become like 50-50 for her. But I do think that a lot of times there is this fusion with the identity of being a mother and societal pressure that being a mother should come first. And you are the primary caregiver of this person. And should look like this and this and yeah. this and this. And you cannot deviate from that. And if you do deviate from that, you're a bad mom. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's bullshit. <laughs> I'm cursing a lot on this episode. Sorry. <laughs> this is You're getting real on this episode. <laughs> getting frustrated with society and their nonsense. That talk really makes me think of blended families. My daughter has two mothers in her life. She has her, what's referred to on the internet at least, the bio mom, biological mom, and she has her stepmom. And Mother's Day is always rife with complication and conflict and just the vibration of this subtle tension between these two figures that operate within my daughter's life and really love her. What it makes me reflect on this week is just how little avenue there is for stepmoms to connect with their, their kids and have places where they're not stereotyped as either they're supposed to operate in one single lane and that's all they can be. And I just wanted to kind of say to all of the stepmothers out there who may be listening, how grateful 
your presence and having that ability to take on another child that is quote unquote not your own and to make space for them within your life and to be a guardian so i think for a lot of the guests that we see it's not about occupying just one role and being one thing being a mom is a lot of things so speaking of different things that moms can bring about for us what would you say is one of your favorite things about your mom my favorite thing about my mother is how open she is as a human being she has this ability to want to take on any task wants to willing to try anything once just to see her curiosity has been so inspirational it's made me a much better clinician because i go into that room with non-judgment and it's also something that i'm able to apply to myself when i look in the mirror and i'm having those days where i really think i'm the worst human being on the planet knowing that i have this figure in my life that loves me supports me encourages me has been and has become and will continue to be one of the most beautiful things that i have in my existence that was really sweet it's my mom What about for you, Rachel? What would you say is your favorite thing about your mother? It's hard to pinpoint just one. Sweet Rachel's mom. Oh my goodness. Rachel's mom, you can call me whenever you want. I will be your friend. <laughs> she is an incredible woman. She is one of the strongest women I've ever met in my entire life. And the thing that I love about her most is that she literally will find the best in everybody. She's a teacher, so in the students that she teaches, even the ones that are really struggling emotionally and behaviorally, she will always do whatever she can to make sure that they are learning and that they are accepted and that other kids will play with them and make sure that they're good. So she is just so incredible in that way. She can just see so much strength in in people whenever people come into my space you know if they've had a bad day or they've done something a behavior that maybe they don't like i'm always just kind of like okay well that happened it doesn't mean you're a bad person so let's focus on the strengths so i think that's another wonderful quality that she's helped give to me so i definitely try to reflect that while doing sessions and also in how i lived my day-to-day life and how i can help other people and be completely accepting of others around me so i think that's pretty incredible thanks mom thanks moms we just so appreciate you and um we're really sorry for our teenage years (laughs) i apologize i'm so sorry i really want to resonate with that message and put out there that it's about creating your narrative and your story and your meaning for your life and how that looks like And I want to say to all the men out there and fathers out there and other partners out there that there are so many different ways that 
you can support mothers and support the women in your life. One of the things that comes to me a lot when I'm working in this field is when I'm is a lot of how much kind of the stereotype of domestic life often falls upon the woman in the relationship. Are you asking about someone's day? Are you actively involved in the child rearing? Something as small as bathing the kids and making sure the diapers are available, making sure that the garbage is thrown out, going to your partner and giving that extra massage and just reminding your partner, your mom, your wife, your spouse, whoever it is. Did you do something for yourself today? And if you didn't, how can I help you get there? Well, we want to give a big shout out to all the moms listening and stepmoms and partners of moms and friends of moms and daughters and sons of moms and all the moms out there. (laughs) We respect and appreciate everything that you do to guide the future of our world, whoever that is and whatever that looks like. Alan is the producer of our podcast. You can hear more of his songs at soundcloud.com slash Vibes. We have a website, which I know I keep telling you about, but I totally gave you the wrong one last time, so that's my bad. It's actually mindfulchatter.org, so go over there and check it out. You can subscribe to our channel and be the first to hear all of our latest episodes, and they are on iTunes as Mindful Chatter. Head over to soundcloud.com forward slash mindfulchat. We're on Twitter where we're going to post lots of fun videos of us. So if you actually want to see what we look like, go on Twitter and start tweeting at us at Mindful Chat. And if you have any questions or want to hear us chat about something, send your inquiries to mindfulchatterpodcast at gmail.com. This has been Mindful Chatter. Can't wait to see you next time. Bye.